And if you're not sure where that one is in your Bible, I, I really can't help you. <laughs> I just really can't help you. <laughs> All right, this morning, I'm doing a very, very, for the sake of those that couldn't make it last week, <clears throat> I'm going to pick it up. We're going to, we're going to go, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 6, give a quick overview of that, and then pick up where we left off. 17.1, And one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Here I sh- come here, and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the <clears throat> excuse me, with the great harlot that sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet, adorned and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having her hand of, and having in her hand a, a gold cup full of abominations, and of unclean and of the unclean things of her immorality. And upon her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. Okay, again, chapter 17 focuses on the Babylonian religious system and chapter 18 on its commercial and political system. And what we have here, we're we're getting this presented to us as the Lord's just going to hammer them one at a time, but it's very quickly, it's very quickly. The first thing the Lord goes after is the false religious system, and then he's going to go after the corrupt um, commercial and political system. Both of them have merged together, really, into one entity. Entity. So, uh, and the beast, the Antichrist, is in char- in, uh, over it all. Along being, remember, go back into our earlier lessons. You have the uh, chapter 13, the beast out of the sea. And another beast came up. You got the Antichrist and the false prophet. Both of the Antichrist is energized by Satan himself. We saw that also in chapter thirteen, and so he's he's going after the the judgments going on the religious system, and then bang bang on both almost simultaneously, but it's very quick. And then one of those seven angels with the bowls again. This is tied in with the the bowl judgments being the last just prior to the actual physical return of Christ. And uh, so this is part of that. This is the, kind of an extension of that. Now, moving down, we, we, in our outline, ancient Babylon or Babel, again, founded by Nimrod, and was the site of the first false religious system that the earth organized religious system. Pretty much prior to that, you had people that believed and people didn't believe. And that was it. They kind of wandered around, and then the flood kind of took care of that. And then coming on after the flood, um, you get into chapter 10, and here you get uh, Nimrod, chapter 11, Tower of Babel, the scattering of the earth, of the languages. 
And then the one that says in back, we're still in Revelation, and uh, the it says, who sits on many waters? Again, the many waters is representative of the people of the earth. Well, how do we know that? Well, verse 15 says, and he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are the peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So that's just the, the earth's population. So because, again, the empire of the beast was um, was the, you might say, the world power, but wasn't the only kingdom. It's kind of like, um, well, it's coming to the point that one might say the United States used to be the world power. Well, kind of waning now, and if things keep up, we'll be saying China is the world power, and then others will be second, third, fourth rate, etc., etc., etc. That's the situation here of the beast. He is the world power, and then there's others that are second, third, fourth, so and so on and so on and so on. All right? So, now, when it says about the kings of the earth and everything committing immorality, um, I'm going to move forward here to uh, verse 4 where it says, In her hand uh, a cup full of abominations out of unclean things of her immorality. I mean, it's stressing this is a religious system that is just promoting and pushing immorality, immorality. And that's going to be pushed from two directions, from the religion and from the government, which will be dealt with in chapter 18. Both are going to be pushing this stuff. Remember, they're all, they're intertwined. It's a religious kind of a church state situation you have here. And uh, very extremely, and corrupt on both ends. There's none the, the religious the, the religious is full of abominations. I mean, uh, I want to look at that word abominations, delugma, which is and it means we looked at it, but it's worth repeating something that is disgusting. That's what the word literally means: something that is disgusting, loathsome, putrid. Uh, to admit a stench, you get the idea. Not a not it's just not one of those. It's not one of those little happy words, you know. This is not. No, it's very very pointed. You know, and this same word used in the Septuagint, and we didn't turn there last week, but I, I, we need to look at it, is used for a variety of sexual sins, also is used of idolatry. Let's look at Leviticus 18. Leviticus 18. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I'm... I've got 18, 1 through 30. I'm not going to read all of that, but I do want to pick, just read verse 3. You shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt where you lived. And that's going to be important for later on as we move through Revelation. In the land of Egypt where you lived, nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan where I'm bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes in their ways, in their customs, in the thing. Don't do what they do. Okay? Let's jump forward to verse 21 of Leviticus 18. Now, neither shall you... And this is what was going on here. You know, just think about what's being said here. Neither shall you give any of your offspring to offer them to Moloch, nor shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Don't do those practices. I hate to say it, 
but in our in the West, the Western culture is in total decline. There's even worse countries that are further down the tubes than we are, believe it or not. But just sticking with our own country, um, there are churches. Let's start with let's go with the state. Our state government, as it stands today, promotes aborting unborn children. I don't see any difference than that than sacrificing some little baby to Moloch. What's the difference? What's the difference? You know, I believe that's, you know, without knowing it, I think that is the God of those folks, quite frankly, Moloch. Just pick any old name. They're all false anyway. (laughs) But to me, it fits. And then verse 22, something else, the fake religious systems in our day and our government is promoting. You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. There's that Greek word used here to translate this Hebrew word in the Septuagint. Same word. That is something that is disgusting, loathsome in the sight of God. Something that leaves a, a smell in, the, in God's nostrils. Hates it. Hates it. Verse 23, you shall not have intercourse with any animal. Why is that written? Because people were doing it. Um, And I will leave it there. You shall not have intercourse with any animal to be defiled with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is a perversion. I hope they shout. Verse 24. Do not defile yourselves by any of these things, for by all these things the the nations which I am casting out before you have become defiled. They were practicing these things. Okay, verse 25, for the land has become become defiled, therefore I have visited its punishment upon it, so the land has spewed out its inhabitants. The land has spewed out its inhabitants. But as for you, you are to keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not do any of these abominations. Same word again. Neither the native nor the alien who sojourns among you. For the men of the land who have been, on, who have been before you have got done all these abominations and the land has become defiled. So that the land may not spew you out should you defile it as it has spewed out the nations which has gone before you. For whoever does any of these abominations, those persons who do it shall be cut off from among the people. Thus you are to keep my, my charge that you do not practice any of these abominable customs which have been practiced before you, so as not to defile yourself with them. I am the Lord your God. Now, and there's more and more passages like this that I'm not going to turn to, but I know I remember a question I had long time ago now, I think it was my very first Fundamentals of the Faith class that I taught down south from a young gal in there, young single lady, her, had a, having a discussion with her father. He says, well, wasn't that mean of God to just go in there, wipe out the Canaanites just so the Israelites can have it? Well, there's a lot more to that than... And this is a lot more to that. And there's other passages that make it crystal clear. I know there's a couple in Deuteronomy and other places where the Lord was using the Israelites to bring judgment upon the land of Canaan for just these very violations that we read about. 
So it wasn't just a matter of like, I like them better than you, so I'm going to wipe you out. No, 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 no. The, the sin, a, a term, the sin was ripe before God, and God harvested. That was it. That was it. That's the reason. Yeah. Okay. Now, back in Revelation 17.4, where it talks about the unclean things of her immorality, uh, we, we've already read about it in Revelation 13, where, remember, they, they worshipped the beast. They worshipped the statue of the beast. They also worshipped Satan himself. So, I mean, you were, an, and we've already read through Revelation where there is a lot of satanic deception going on and things that look like magic arts and just, it, it's just totally amazing to me in, in these times of trouble. And that's on the rise too in the Western world, uh, Satan worship. And uh, they're even now in the schools, the little Satan clubs. Well, you got, uh, you have Christian clubs. We should have Satan clubs. Well, you know, whatever floats your boat, but no, you know, but that just shows you the, the, the digression that's going on and going on and going on and just multiply that by, I don't know how much when you get to this time period, it's just, I mean, this time period makes everything else look pretty mild. Uh, And it's nowhere near mild today. Really. It's, it's, it's bad, especially when we think about it and view it in the Lord's terms. How does he view sin? You know, we look at certain things. Oh, that's just a small sin. Oh, God says, no, that's, it's sin. That's a defilement. And it, it just, it starts bad and then just keeps getting worse. I mean, it's never light. It's never, there's never, there's not a sin light out there. You know what I mean? It, it's, now, verse five, this is what everybody came for. Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and of abominations of the earth. And again, goes back this whole phrase goes back, picks up way back in the time of Nimrod, Tower of Babel, the mother of harlots. This, that very first uh, false religious system is just like the mother of it all. And here now the whole thing over the centuries and the millennia is festering, 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 festering. And by the time you get to this point, it's all come to a head and, just, and God's just going to squash it and just wipe it out and just wipe it all out. It's almost like getting it all with one fell swoop. You know, it makes me think about the, uh, <clears throat> back in Daniel chapter 2, the statue. Remember that statue, Nebuchadnezzar's dream? And the statue represented those kingdoms that had influence over, over the Israel. <clears throat> and that stone that was not cut with hands, which represents Christ, of course, came and smashed that statue by hitting it at its feet which is going to be this kingdom right here. And the whole thing comes down. The entire structure of the nations is brought to an end. You see that there's that big picture involved too. And that's what's happening here. When it all comes down, because remember, we've already looked at a little bit. We'll look at it more when we get closer. But at Armageddon, the beast and his bunch show up, but so do other nations coming from Elsewhere, they all show up and they all get taken out. <laughs> okay, because it's, it's like the, this whole sin of the earth. It's just, it's all coming to a head. And just like I say, just God's going to snuff it. Now, the mother of harlots from, again, from that one pagan system, all false religious uh, religions are going to be 
blasted. And again, all false religions are harlots in the eyes of God. And even Israel itself it, in the past was called a harlot. We saw that a little bit last week. Um, uh, <clears throat> the book of Hosea. Remember what Hosea was supposed to do? Go take, your, go take a wife of harlotry. That was a picture of God's with Israel. But that one was showing that even though you've, you're doing that, I will still be your God as a nation. I will save you out of your, you know, in spite of yourselves. But uh, just the idea of that term. What God condemns as an abomination, the mother of harlots promotes, and so do all of her little offspring religions. And again, we don't have to look past the news on our radios, TVs, newspaper, whatever. <clears throat> Even the fake news will tell us, except they promote it. <laughs> they, they promote it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing what's going on out there. There was a, <clears throat> I saw a lady the other day. Um, she's being sued by the local uh, teachers union for complaining about pornography in her school. And that's, that's becoming routine across the nation. I mean, there's a one in there, here. it's just popping up all over the place. You know, it's just popping up all over the place. And then verse 6, where it says, and I, it says, I saw the woman uh, drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. False religious system that has the power, which this one will, false religious systems historically persecute the true faith. You can look way, look way, just, it's been ever since, I mean, it goes, goes right back to Cain and Abel, we're crying out loud. Let's go right back to Cain and Abel. Abel got it right, Cain got it wrong. They both knew what to do. So what happened? The, the wrong system rose up and killed the right one. I mean, there it is. I mean, it's just, that's the way, it, it's, that's the way, right from the get-go. That's the way it is, and, um, <clears throat> You know, um, it's been that way. I mean, you can go back, uh, again, the church, it started out being persecuted, right? Okay, they persecuted Jesus, and uh, Jesus was uh, ascended back into heaven. The apostles kicked open the door on the day of Pentecost, and uh, wasn't too much, wasn't too long after that, they were hauled before the Sanhedrin, beaten, threatened. And they said, okay, and they kept on going, <laughs> you know. And by the time you get to Acts chapter 12, what was it? James is, is killed. Before that, Stephen. So, um, no, it just, it's been that way ever since, ever since, you know. All around the world, Islam is good. Uh, Russia, the communists did it in Russia and China and everywhere across the world. Hey, how about the reformers? They were being, being persecuted by the Catholic Church. Was interesting. Note the Catholic was a, a lot of it was a church-state relationship that was doing that. So anyway, you just um, move on. That's why some of the reformers say the false, the Antichrist is going to be the Pope. I don't think so. False prophet, maybe, but not the Pope. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we don't know. I mean, you know, I, I said after 12 years of Catholic school. But anyhow, um, yeah, the word witness, where in verse 6 where it says, I saw them drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. The word witnesses comes from the Greek word martus. 
we get our word martyr from that. Because so many people that were witnesses for the gospel got killed. And that's where the word martyr kind of developed out of that word. And out of what happened to those folks that witnesses that were. Look at 2 Timothy 3. I think this, this could be maybe our a big takeaway from today's lesson. Because there's, there's so many ways to apply this. But <clears throat> I... I I often think about this because we're one of the few countries that have not seen any real persecution. Oh, yeah, there's, we've had several annoyances, and they might say mean, ugly, nasty things to us. Maybe some have even lost jobs. But as far as being lambasted and sent to prison and all that stuff, that hasn't happened yet. I do think that's not too far out there, however, the way things are going. Second uh, Timothy 3.12, and this is kind of a, I think, a wake-up call for me and everybody else. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Why haven't we? Is it that we haven't been living godly enough? I ask myself that. It, I'm just throwing it out there to think about. And then I want to compare that with... In 2 Timothy chapter 1. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord <clears throat> or of me, his prisoner. But join, join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the, the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immort, immort, immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what have, I have entrusted to him until that day. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in, in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. And again, I mean, I, I love that last statement. Timothy, um, <clears throat> who functioned quite often as a pastor, I think he was a bit more than he was what I think we would call they a church planter. He was a missionary, and he moved from around to a lot of... He, he was in Thessalonica. He was in Ephesus for a while. and But in his job, and as he teaches others, he says, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. And what's that treasure? It's the gospel. It's the word itself. And because we... We know that because all you got to do is read the writings of Paul <laughs> and know that Timothy was with Paul the whole way, okay? And you know what that's talking about. It was just very, very clear. Now, our next section, Revelation 17, 6b through 14, and I'm going to need this little piece there. Okay, I'll pick it up in that last sentence in... Uh, Verse 6b says, And when I saw her, this is John, and when I saw her, I wondered greatly. 
And the angel said to me, why do you wonder? I shall tell you the, the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and to go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth will wonder whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that, uh, <clears throat> that he was and is not and will come. I can understand I'm getting confused there. Here's the mind, which is the wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sits. And they are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain for a little while. And the beast, which was and is not, is himself on the, is, is, is also an eighth. Pretty simple now so far. <laughs> And he goes on until he goes on to he gets destructed. And the ten horns, which are the ten kings, you have not yet re- received a kingdom, but they will give authority. They will receive authority as the kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. And in verse fourteen, these will wage war against the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them, because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are the called and the chosen, and the faithful. Now, let's see if we can untangle some of this stuff. (laughs) Okay. Now, in verse 6, he says, I wondered. I wondered greatly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wondered speaks of great amazement and astonishment. You know, the word greatly is the word megas. You know, we use that term a lot. Mega, this, for something really huge. You know, we we use that term. Um, And we get to move now to... Page three. The beast that you saw, okay, we're going to look at the terminology where it says, in verse eight, where it says, the beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss. Okay, the beast that you saw who was, was not, and is about to come up out of the abyss. Now, this ties this beast to the description of the beast with the death wound on the head back in Revelation 3.13. Let's go back there. And again, this is a, this is why I kept backing up when I started, because it, this is a continuing story, and if we leave too much out, we don't get the background for what's coming. Even still, <clears throat> John had, don't, you know, we should not feel bad. The Apostle John had the background, and he was very confused. Okay? So, I don't feel bad about being confused. (laughs) 13.3. And I saw one of the heads. This is about the beast out of the sea, which is the Antichrist. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, killed. And his fatal wound, fatal wound, that means dead, was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And now move forward to, um, <clears throat> hey, where am I in my notes here? 12 and verse 12. And now we move forward to the second beast, the false prophet, but he's going to give us some information. We're going to get some information here. And he exercises all the, the authority of the first beast and in his present, he makes the earth and those who dwell in it worship the first beast whose fatal wound 
was healed. Verse 14, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of this, the signs which was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. Okay, so there we have that. Now, <clears throat> and then we, and it says also, and he is going to go to destruction. Now we move forward in our story to Revelation 19, where we won't turn there now, but just remember, remember, he's eventually, the Lord comes and, and the, both the beasts and the false prophets are, are, are picked up and thrown live into the lake of fire. Okay, that is their ultimate. They don't even get killed. They just throw live right into the lake of fire. You're going right in there. Now, oh, um, I was hoping you would be in 17 for that. But anyway, no, what? Say anything. 1311? Uh-huh. Now, the other beast is the false prophet that comes up out of the sea. Oh, okay, so we're talking. Yeah, we've moved from the Antichrist to the false prophet. False prophet picked is an 11. <clears throat> okay, now, that is what hopefully will explain what is being said here that I saw the beast who was alive and is not dead and is about to come up, you know. <clears throat> so who was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss or another term, the pit, the depths of death. Okay, so that's what that's talking about. Is everybody just with me so far? I'll take that as a yes. Now, and those. <laughs> if not, we'll be back again next week. <laughs> I'm on the top of page three. And then where it says, and those who dwell on the earth will wonder. And who are those that wonder? And I put it, I, I, I bolded it so we wouldn't lose this. Whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. That sound familiar? Ephesians 1, anybody? Okay, and, and among numerous other places. But, yeah, in other words... Those who are not believers are going to be fooled and deceived and will follow blindly. Remember, as we read through all these judgments so far, that what are they doing, knowing where the judgments are coming from, but yet what do they do? It's, in some verses, they do not repent. Other verses tell us they actually curse God and blaspheme God for them. They know where they're coming from, but yet they refuse to repent. Why? Because they're not saved. And I'll tell you, unbelief is an extremely powerful force. It, it, it's, it's got a grip. And apart from the grace of God, that grip stays hold. It doesn't break. I know. And it, and, it, and, it, and it seems to those of us that do believe in the word, it seems so bizarre. How can anybody be so foolish? Well, they can and are. I mean, again, just look around today. How, how can anybody believe that, you know, men can give birth 
and and that's the only thing that separates us from them. It's a big thing, and that's why, again, um, <clears throat> we should wake up every morning with a heart of thankfulness. Yeah. Really, yeah. you know what? Yeah. And it's not a matter of gloating over these people. You know, we actually feel sorry for these people. I mean, they're stuck. They are stuck. You know, and apart from the grace of God, they're going to stay stuck and uh, even promote these things. So, again, thank you, Lord. Now, the explanation of Revelation 17, 9 to 11 In verse 9, we're going to talk about the seven heads. That's my chip piece. (laughs) Now, let's not all take offense at this, but here's the mind which has wisdom. (laughs) This is a statement anticipating the difficulty in understanding what's about to be said. You thought the first one was tough. It really wasn't compared to what's coming. Anticipating, this is a very complex. It says that the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And they, and they are seven kings. Five, five have fallen. Yeah, that's where it goes. And one, <clears throat> and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain for a little while. Now, if that little piece will just stay there. Now, the seven heads are seven mountains. And mountains in prophetic language are kingdoms. Okay? I, am, I know there's one theory out there that says, oh, these are the seven mountains of Rome. Uh, I don't believe so. No, they're not. They can't be. And because of what follows in verse 10. But we'll just hang on for that. On which the woman who was Babylon sits. They sit on top of these mountains. And the seven kings are synonymous with the seven mountains. Both mountain and king can and often do refer to the nation. Okay? The, king, the mountain refers to a nation, and the king, by his rulership, refers to a nation, which would be obviously that nation that he is king of. Okay? So they both have reference to nations. Okay, and they're talking about them being the same here. Now, verse 10 is where the explanation really comes in, I believe. They are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is. The other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. Now, the best way to understand this is what is being said here? What's happening here? Remember, this angel is now answering John's question about, about remember, back in uh, 6, he says, and when I saw it, I wondered, I wondered greatly, what, what's going on here? And the answer is, let me try to explain it to you. And he's, he's walking through, giving, giving John the explanation. So to get this, we have to put ourselves in John's shoes, sandals, or whatever he's wearing, and um, in that time frame. When did John receive all this information? Well, we know he wrote it about 95 A.D. So put ourselves there at the end of the, toward the last decade of the first century. Okay? We're there with John hearing this. Now, 
the seven kings represent seven nations that dominated or will dominate Israel. Here's the identity of the five fallen. It's already been given to us. Again, insert, look through the history. The five fallen, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece. One is. In 95 AD, who was the one that was in existence? Rome. Okay? And then we move further down. It says, all, and again, all of these, I put a little note here, all of these nations were polytheistic pagan nations who practiced the abominations condemned in Scripture. Every single one of them. And you go back and look up their history. Every single one of them practice the abominations that have been condemned from Genesis right through Revelation. Every one of them. Some more than others, some different than others, but they were all, and they were all pagan nations that denied the one true God. Now, the other that has not yet come in the context of Revelation can only refer to one, the kingdom of the Antichrist. Because as John is sitting there receiving this revelation in 95 AD, he's farther away from the Antichrist than we are, <laughs> okay, than we are today. That one's out there still. Okay, So that's the one that still is out there and has to come. See that? That's the interpretation that makes the most sense to me. Because you can identify these. You can identify these things. I mean, you should go back there. They were <laughs> held as slaves under Egypt. The northern by Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and then now Rome. They all had major dominance over the nation. Major dominance. I mean, you know, it's, uh, you get to places like um, <clears throat> the Philistines. They were thorns in their sides, but they weren't, you know, controlled by them. They were more of a nuisance. A major nuisance, but nevertheless just a nuisance. Now, again, the other not yet come, that's got to be the Antichrist. And he must remain a little while. Well, remember, we go back, um, go back into some of our earlier studies. Remember, he's going to, and if he go back to, we won't go back to that, but chapter 6, remember, he rides in on the horse with the bow, no arrows, the bow, and he's starting to rise up in power. He does it through manipulation, through deceit, through cunning. And he, remember, he makes peace with Israel for seven years. Remember that one? For one week. Remember back in Daniel 9? For one week. And then in the middle of the week, what's he do? Boom. He breaks it off, and things get ugly. Well, that's the middle of the tribulation period. And then from that point on, it's three and a half years. He's out. So basically... He'll be hanging around for about, of any kind of power, he'll be rising to power in the first half, and then he, when he gets power, then he's going to put the hammer down on Israel, and then three and a half years after that, he's gone. He's gone. So very short-lived is his, is his reign. He, says, and he, he, come, he says he's only going to be there for, again, and when he comes, he must remain a little while. Compared to these other nations, that's a little while, <laughs> you know. That's like, you know, a week in, in, a, in a 
a, a millennia. I mean, just nothing in terms of time. There's nothing compared to these other nations that um, were around long enough to leave actually a history of them being there. He won't. He's going to be wiped out. Now, and the beast, which was and is not, <clears throat> is himself an eighth and is one of the seven, in verse 11. Well, he, was, he rose up, he was slain, and his fatal wound was healed. Okay, so, well, he rose up and was healed. Well, he was number seven, but then when he came back to life, oh, now he's number eight. That's what that's talking about. So he was seven and eight. See, that's to put it the most simple way I can. And then, of course, verse 11 says, and, uh, and the beast which was and was not in himself is also an eighth and is one of the seven, and he goes to destruction. And again, we've already talked about that. He will be thrown live into the lake of fire. And that is his destiny. Hey, we might actually do something here in the next five minutes. Let's see. The ten horns. Verses 12 through 17. The remainder of this. Okay. Verse 12 says, And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. <laughs> Whoopee-ding, huh? <laughs> well, uh, and basically, and we'll keep going, verse 13, they have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. And that's it. That's their purpose. I keep going back to this, go back to Daniel again, the statue. The, the bottom part of the statue was you get the, the legs of iron, Rome, the legs of feet and clay, the second recovery, like the, that nation that kind of resembles Rome but isn't, that's the, the Antichrist, ten toes. His empire, his power base is going to be that him as the head of a ten-nation confederacy. See? And so... And they place themselves under the authority of the beast, and their big purpose was, it says in verse 13, is to give him power. I mean, without those ten nations saying, yeah, we're with you, he doesn't have any power. You know, he's, he's, got, he's got to have a power base, and that's the power base. So when the time comes, they're probably pretty stout nations. And again, he spent the first half of that seven-year period schmoozing these guys and, and making deals and cut and we can see that back we're going to come back down but we can see that back in Daniel 11 where it talks about him making deals and treaties and sitting down and um and I, I love the one where they sit around the table and tell lies <laughs> and nothing's changed anyway but yeah you, you compare that with Daniel 2 Daniel 7 I mean it, it's all there it's all there the, the background for all this is there in verse uh, 14, these will wage war against the Lamb, because they're with him, and the Lamb will overcome them, because, for one simple reason, he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Who are you people? Comparatively speaking, nothing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's like swatting flies. Nothing. 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 And those who 
are with him, that's with the king of kings and lord of lords, are the called and chosen and faithful believers. Okay? Then the terms just spell it out for us. And we know he's going to come when we get there. He's going to come and there's going to be a crowd on white horses and white garments following him. We'll see that when we get to Revelation 19. Hi. Yo. Um, I had one comment on <laughs> yeah. one hour. Very short. That, that's what the one hour means. It's a very short period of time. Not an hour. No. Oh, no, no, no. It's not an hour. It's longer than that. Yeah, that, that's what that hour means. That hour is, again, it's, uh, it's kind of, it's a figure of speech meaning not a long time. I mean, because I mean, we've got to think in terms of how long does the average nation hold together as a nation. I mean, you're talking about this confederacy with the Antichrist, and they're ruling with him for, for one hour. That's like a figure of speech saying, it's a, it, the whole deal is short-lived. The, the Antichrist empire is short compared to historic nations, and these guys are even shorter. <laughs> so... Yeah, well, it'll, it'll take me about an hour. Yeah, in relation to time itself, what, how, what are we talking about, right? Okay, and along with the be- verse 16, uh, we've already actually talked about in our lesson uh, 15, where it explains what the waters was, and 16, the ten horns. Let's look at 16, and the ten horns which you saw are the, and the beast... These will hate the harlot. Now check this. They will hate the harlot and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. All of a sudden, the party's over. See this going on here? The lo- Well, verse 17, let's read 17. For, for God has put in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God should be fulfilled. So one of their last little things they're going to accomplish, they're actually going to accomplish something on the Lord's behalf, wiping out the false religious system or being, or being part of that. They're just going to wipe it out and they're going to strip it clean. I mean, they're going to raid it because it's very, remember we saw a very wealthy religious system like so many of the big phony ones are? Well, they're going, to, they're going to get wiped out. They're going to also be financially wiped out, too. Of course, by them taking, taking all the money and whatever is of value out of that thing, the way I read Revelation 17 and 18, they're not going to have time to spend any of it. <laughs> but they're going to do that. And then the next, because like I say, you turn to chapter 18, boom, the commercial political system is destroyed. So there you have it. And naked... Uh, make her desolate, that's void of her wealth, naked, the harlot will be fully exposed as a fraud, as every false religious system will eventually be, and will eat her flesh and burn her up with fire. Nothing left, just totally devoured, consumed, and gone. And it's funny, verse 17, you know, they will, they will not even recognize that that's the one time in their life they actually did the Lord's will. And they did it out of anger and hate. I mean, these are the, the same one. We don't have time to read it, but I had a closing thought. I was going to read, we can read it on your own. Psalm 2. Psalm 2 is a great place to end. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And again, Lord, may we 
be true followers of your word and live up to that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're I think our snow's over by the time we leave too.